What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? Not too bad, Bart. How are you? Great. Uh, had a little bit of uh, non-baseball news today. Had some football news. Uh, wasn't oh, was a slow there day football there. news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I saw in my feed about... Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, signing a, a deal. And then like an hour later, it was like, oh, that's not news. <laughs> Russell Wilson to Denver, that's news. <laughs> that was much bigger news, yeah. Bombshell. Well, as a, as a Browns fan, I just the fir- my first thought when I saw that was, why didn't the Browns offer more? But <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard I was Washington also thinking about all the fantasy ramifications, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh um, man! I, unfortunately, I don't in my dynasty league, I, or which you are now joining as well. I do not have yeah. a lot of uh, stake in the in the deal. Um, I mean, it's good that I guess I don't have DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, but uh, I uh, I also don't have the uh, main Broncos skill position players either. But I do have Tim Patrick, so maybe he's uh, his arrows yeah. pointing up a little bit this year. Yeah, can't forget about him. And then the the other one we saw the other day was. Uh, that Calvin Ridley news, which was a couple days ago now, I think, but or was just yesterday. But man, that was wild. Another that was crazy, crazy news story. Yeah. Well, I guess the you know the NFL's feeling a little guilty because baseball is not happening right now, so they're they're filling the void. I guess maybe not guilty. Maybe it's more uh, calculated. I guess, but uh, <laughs> it's yeah, definitely keep, giving us something to think about. I know, and I keep you know scrolling through Twitter and everything, hoping to see something with baseball, and I just. Not seeing any little nuggets out there, just more of the same. Yeah, you hear, uh, I mean, it sounds like tonight, uh, we're, we're recording here on Tuesday evening, that uh, the, the both the players and the uh, owners are coming in with uh, some compromised proposals. Uh, we'll see if that actually leads to any common ground in a meaningful way or not. But yeah. uh, in the meantime, we're going to keep churning through these position previews. How's that sound? That was Let's a rhetorical question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to do third base. Uh, if you have not uh, checked them out, please do go and listen to our catcher, first base, and second base previews. Uh, we will be doing shortstop on Thursday. So uh, we're just going to keep going along here. Uh, like there will be a season, which th- let's be real. There will be a season. Uh, maybe, maybe it's going to be a five month season instead of a six month season, but there's going to be a season yeah. and you're going to need those position previews, uh, as you prepare for your draft. So let's hop right into it. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So as I said, third base now, this used to be a really great position for fantasy. Uh, I feel like this was, there were just so many great players that have come through, uh, and played third base, but we're, we're not in a great uh era right now for fantasy options at third base no we're not (laughs) i would i would agree (laughs) as i started putting together my third base rankings uh quickly you know realized like wow if you don't get someone at the top i mean you know i guess my strategy you know just kind of getting into it one is probably all i'm gonna get as far as third base now i might get some other utility guy who also has third base eligibility but i feel like I'm only getting one third baseman, and um, we'll talk about some guys at the top who I really like, and then, you know, once you get to, like, my, I don't know, 10th, 12th third baseman, I kind of see him the same as, like, my 22nd or 23rd third baseman, (laughs) so, like, you know, we'll kind of get into the tiers, but kind of like with um, 
maybe kind of like with second base, like I really want one of my top 10 or 12, but even more so with third base, like I kind of want one of the top three. If I don't get them, I'm probably waiting. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, a sizable drop off after that top three, which we'll get to in a minute. And I'm sure we're thinking of the same three names. Probably. Uh, after that, you get into a lot of question marks uh, who could be good filling out sort of the top 12 in a, in a standard league. You can almost get to 12, I feel like, uh, before the the cliff drops even further. Um, but the thing is, with those other guys, you're not going to know exactly what you're getting because it's either a young player who uh, you're hoping for some growth or uh, that they can maintain their, their breakout from last season or an older player who you're hoping can either hang on or kind of rekindle the uh, value that they had had earlier in their career. So either way, it's it's there's not a lot of certainty there after that top three. So I agree with you there that uh, this would be a position I would try to prioritize in the first or second round of my draft if I can. Yeah, and, and after that first three, I'll just give a quick preview like and, and a little <clears throat> peek behind the curtain when I'm uh, doing some mock drafts. Sometimes I'm doing them on my phone. I use Fantasy Pros with their little mock draft you know, simulator. And my five-year-old likes to do them with me, and she wants to pick guys. So <laughs> we'll sit there and do them together. And usually her criteria for picking a guy is if he's smiling. So, you know, <laughs> But with third baseman, well, there's Austin Riley, and my daughter's name is Riley. So she sees that name, and she's like, ooh, <laughs> getting him. <laughs> and then uh, my son's name is Nolan. So we've got, a, we've got a Nolan to talk about, too. So we've got Nolan and Riley right in there. So when I'm, when I'm picking with my daughter, she's honed in on that tier. Well, there you go. I mean, at this position, you might as well draft based on your children's names because uh, there's just not that many great options. So you got to make the best of a bad situation, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's get started. Let's talk about the the players we can truly be excited about at this position uh, up at the top. And that starts with Jose Ramirez, uh, now of the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, yes. Uh, And he's been a top He's been the top third baseman in three of the last four seasons. And I'd say he's the odds-on favorite to do it again. He's 29 years old. Uh, you know, if you look at his numbers, they sort of do fluctuate a little bit from from year to year. Um, but the good news is that it's sort of like when he's his numbers are down a little bit in one of the offensive categories, they tend to go up in another one. So, you know, he's had years where he hit – 255 he's had years where he hit 318 he's had mm-hmm. years where he hit 23 home runs he's had years where he hit 39 he's had years where he stole 17 bases he's had years where he stole 34 so there's been that variance but the the end result has always been great and that's something i think we can pretty much expect to continue this season yeah and i mean outside of that miserable slump that he had at the end of 2018 and it kind of trickled into 2019 I mean, the last five seasons, he's been amazing. And I don't know if you had him in any leagues. I, I can't remember if I had him in 2018 at the end or if I was trying to trade for him, you know, buy low or something. But I just remember that terrible year of his mm-hmm. at the end of 2018. But, yeah, otherwise, I mean, no one no one at third really has that five-category production, like elite, you know, production that he has with the steals, you know, especially with the power, every, everything you said. You know, he's a threat to steal 25 bases to contribute to those those other power, uh, these, those other um, categories. And so, um, yeah, with third base being so thin as we kind of talked up front, like you could make the case to draft him kind of with the first five or six picks even. Yeah, I think so. I think he, what's, what's his ADP? Is it, I mean, he's probably 
Oh yeah, he's going, going right around four or five. So yeah, yeah so I would take that, him in the top half. Yeah, I think you know, and we d- we did talk about the argument for taking Vlad Guerrero really high, but maybe when you're choosing between a, a Jose Ramirez and Vlad Guerrero, that that position eligibility could be the determining factor there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then I have Rafael Devers in the same tier with mm. Jose Ramirez. Do you have that as well? I don't. I, I, I kind of separate the two. I've, I've got Ramirez in a tier of his own in the first round, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Devers more as like a second-round guy, so I kind of have him in a separate tier. But like with third being so thin, I could see where you could put him in the same tier. Well, do you have Devers in the same tier with Manny Machado then? I do. So I, I, lump, okay. I lump Devers and Machado in because I kind of see Devers as more of a round two guy and Machado as maybe a round three guy. Uh, so yeah, I kind of lumped Devers and Machado together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like you can make a case for Devers at sort of late round one, early round two. Yeah. Uh, just because of the state of third base. And if you look at it, um, you know, his numbers were down in 2020, but that's sort of a year that we're not going to take into consideration nearly as much as mm-hmm. other seasons for a number of reasons. Uh, purely based on sample size is, is, is the number one reason. But also just how wacky a season it was and how, you know, all the routines were thrown off. So that can affect some hitters more than others. Uh, So I'm willing to give him a pass on that. And when you just look at 2019 and 2021, he was top 12 overall hitter, not not a third base overall hitter Mm -hmm. in standard five by five leagues in both of those seasons. And he's only 25 years old. He's in a, you know, great lineup in Boston. Uh, I, I, there just aren't that many players I think have a realistic chance to hit 300 or 35 home runs and he's one of them. So I, I kind of feel like he, and I love Machado too, but I, I sort of feel like Devers is closer to Ramirez maybe than he is to Machado. Yeah. And Devers definitely has age on his side, uh, you know, more so than Machado. I feel like Machado has been in the league for forever now. Cause he got in so early with Baltimore. I think he was 19. Uh, but yeah, I have Devers at two, just have him in a different tier, but you know, I'm fine with, if you want to kind of lump him in Ramirez as kind of the one, two. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to say, you know, about Devers. He was, um, had a great season again last year, led all third baseman with 38 homers. Um, like, yeah, you mentioned he's still just 25. Um, so I'd definitely take him over Machado and, uh, like he, he kind of put it all together in 2019, I think in 2018, you know, there were kind of lofty expectations for him, you know, and, you know, he didn't quite live up to it, but guys don't often live up to it at age 21 or 22 in, in like your first full season. So he did it the year after and then he did it, did it last year. So he, you know, it looks like he's, he's got the goods and yeah, good with him. And at it's totally two. possible. And it's totally possible that the, we still haven't seen his best season yet, you know, sure, because it is he possible. is only 25 years old. Yep. Uh, and, you know, his home run total jumped up to 38 last year. So could he get into the 40s this year? It's possible. Yeah. Um, and StatCast actually said, you know, his numbers were a little less than what his expected stats would have shown in both slugging percentage and expected batting average. So there could be some room for growth there. And, you know, I really feel like the only knock you can have on Devers is just that he's not a big stolen base guy, but he's not a zero there either. I mean, he will get you a handful of steals. Uh, so it's not a complete loss, but I do know that a lot of people do want to prioritize steals early in their draft. And, and maybe that's the argument for placing Ramirez in a separate tier yeah. from Devers. And as far as, you know, as far as Machado, we can go ahead and talk about him. I have him next, you know, 
we talked, I talked about him being in Baltimore and he had some elite production there for, you know, kind of three or four seasons in a row. And then, you know, he goes out to San Diego and, um, his numbers were, were okay. Like he still was a top, I think he was like the 10th overall or so, uh, third baseman that year. Uh, and then he bounced back and finishes a top five each of the past uh, two seasons. So he's, he's been pretty consistent. And, um, like I said, it feels like he's been in the league forever. Um, but you know, he's still just 29 years old. We're going to talk about a lot older guys than that. Um, I think his production can continue, um, in that really good Padre lineup. What do you think about Machado? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally, I love Machado. I have him in my keeper league and, uh, I'm very glad that I have him given the state of third base, uh, right now. Uh, you know, he only quote unquote only hit 28 home runs last season, but 22 of those home runs were from June 1st on. And his StatCast metrics also suggested he deserved to hit more than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he, he's another guy where, you know, I was talking about with Ramirez, you don't know exactly what you're going to get in each statistical category. I sort of feel like that's true with Machado in terms of batting average. Uh, his batting average has really been all over the place throughout his career, um, at anywhere from 256 up to 304, mm-hmm. you know. It, so it, it, it can fall anywhere in there. I think the most realistic thing to expect is right around his career average, which is 280, which is still well above average, especially at third base where there's not, not so many great hitters right now, as we said. Um, and he, he, it was nice to see the steals pick up again last year. You know, you mentioned that first year in San Diego in 2019, he only stole five bases that season. So mm-hmm. that was, that along with the batting average were the main sources of disappointment. I mean, his power numbers were fine, uh, but those, those were down and, so he stole six in 60 games in 2020, which was good to see, and then 12 last year. Uh, so I think it's safe to expect around 10 to 12 steals again, 30 home runs, maybe even a few more than that, 280 batting average, lots of RBIs uh, hitting behind uh, Tatis there. So there's a lot to like about Machado. I have him in a tier of zone uh, because I do feel like there is a big drop-off after him. Yeah, and that's what really brings some of these guys like Machado up to this this tier and you know we're in agreement there and like to get 10 or 12 stolen bases like you said we've talked about it with first base you know here at third base there's a lot of guys who are just going to give you a nothing they're going to give you some power but they're not going to give you that 10 or 12 stolen base potential and in a roto league that could vault you up from being you know sixth in the category to fourth in the category or something so yeah like the stolen bases from Machado I don't see why he wouldn't steal 10 or 12 again maybe yep yep so now it, now's where it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm guessing we're going to have some differences here. Uh, okay. I know we just we just last week uh, did second base and didn't have so many differences there. But uh, there's a lot of different ways you can go at third base, I feel like, uh, after this top three. So I'll be interested to hear uh, what your uh, tiers are looking like um, sure. starting here. I'll give you I'll give you my first. So I've got I've got. Two tiers coming up, each with three guys. So I'll start with my first tier of three. So at, at, at number four, third baseman, I've got Nolan Arenado. At five, I've got Austin Riley. And then at six, I've got Wander Franco. So well, how, 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 does, how do yours shake out? Okay, well, I, I actually do have those three guys back to back to back, <laughs> but I have them at five, six, and seven. Okay. I have them Riley, Arenado, and Franco. But there's one guy I have in a tier of his own before those guys. Okay. And that's because I like to roll the dice. <laughs> I know who it is then. <laughs> yeah. Adalberto Mondesi. Yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, 
Yeah, I well, I just feel like he has to be in a tier of his own, really, because yeah. he is the ultimate boomer bust player this season. He is a player who can win you your league almost single handedly. He single handedly won me a league uh, that first year that he broke out. Um, so I, you know, because he would just <laughs> that year he just went wild down the stretch at the end of the season. Um, I believe he did that again in uh, 2020 as well. Um, so he's very inconsistent. He's injury prone. You know, he's never played. I don't think he's played more than 102 games in a season yet. Um, yeah. But if you look at his numbers, I mean, they are crazy. And, you know, like I said, the, the negatives are he strikes out a lot, like 30% of the time. Rarely walks, so in a points league, that's that's not what you want to see. <laughs> and the injuries, you know, you can't really expect him to play 162 games or anything close to it, really. Uh, but if you just look at his numbers over the last four seasons and you extrapolate them to 162 games, this is what it looks like. 261 average, 94 runs, 21 homers, 82 RBIs, and 68 steals. <laughs> 68 steals. Yeah, that's the dream I mean, right there. Yeah, so, you know, my my take is basically, like, because this position is... You're not getting certainty with those other guys. I mean, maybe Arenado is pretty certain, but he's certain to be not as good as he used to be, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and with Riley, I like, I, we talked about him a little on the first base pod. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting a little bit of batting average regression from him, or a fair amount of batting average regression from him, really. Um, and then Franco, you, you know, we just haven't seen enough yet to know. Like, he's got a great approach, and he's got a stable floor. Like, I feel like his floor is like Jake Cronenworth, basically. <laughs> um, but I just don't know if we're, we're really going to get much more than that this season because he hasn't shown in the minors or the majors that he's going to be a big power guy or a big stolen base guy yet. So uh, I just feel like there's there's some question marks with those guys and then we'll get to some other guys after that who have question marks that are maybe even bigger so i feel like since you're not getting a certain stud anyway why not go for it all you know why not dream big grab mondesi i mean what's his price tag right now i feel like it's not that bad it's not uh, he, he's i was just about to say looking at adp he's going around 70 somewhere yeah there. so like you know like you look at riley's at 44 franco's at 48 like Arenado's at 56. I, I I probably just would pass on those at the, and wait a round or two and grab Mondesi, you know, and just maybe find somebody that's undervalued that you can back him up with as insurance. You know, one guy we'll get to in a minute that I really like is Justin Turner. Mm-hmm. So, like, I like the idea of maybe pairing Mondesi and Justin Turner. You don't have to invest that highly in the, in the position, but between the two of them, I think you're going to get really good production, and I think they complement each other well. Their strengths are just different from each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Turner. We'll talk about him a little later, but you know, to touch on some of the guys you mentioned, like I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm looking at like Austin Riley and Wander Franco at like going around pick 45, 47 in that range. Like I'm probably not getting either one of them because while I rank Austin Riley above Mondesi, I'm much I, mean, I like Mondesi's price way better down around 70. And with, like I mentioned, Nolan Arenado, like I have him at uh, my fourth third baseman. So he's going actually as the sixth third baseman. So I actually might get him um, in some drafts. But totally agree with you about Mondesi. Um, I ranked him, like, again, this is kind of a hedge, right? Like, it's or maybe like a projection of, like, I really only think he'll play 100 games. So, like, maybe you pick him seven. But 
you know, if you wanted to take him around even where like Manny Machado is going, like he is going to be a difference maker. But I think after you, like, like I mentioned at the top, we were doing, I've, I've been doing some mock drafts and like once, once I get like maybe five, six guys on my team, I always look at him and I'm like, yeah, this is a guy, like you said, who can just win a league. Um, and it kind of depends on format. You mentioned some different ones. Um, but it's, it's, it's not just the steals. Like you mentioned his power. He's got, I mean, he really has it all. And, um, yeah, I don't, he can, he can win you a league. I don't think there's anyone around pick 70 who has that league uh, winning ability that Mondesi could have with a, with a full season. Absolutely. At least in a roto format. I, you know, I do think format does matter a lot with him because in a points league where steals are really not that valuable. I mean, they, they still get you some points, but they're not, you know, they're not any more valuable than any other stat. Whereas in, mm-hmm. in Roto, in categories leagues, those steals are so hard to find and they're so valuable. I mean, they're oh, yeah. like a fifth of the offensive production, you know? Um, so, and then also the walk rate too. I mean, his walk rate's been under 5% every year of his career. Um, so in a points league where you get points for walks, that's not, that's not great because he's not going to hit for a super high average either. So, um, so he's, he's, a lot better in a categories league than in a points league. But in a categories league, I think he is a legitimate league winner if, if he can stay healthy. And, and, you know, honestly, in the kind of formats I play in, it sounds like you play in two. If you have daily lineups, if you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a 12 team league where there's some decent value on the waiver wire throughout the season, you're not really risking that much taking him at his ADP, you know, uh, because, you can find other guys that can fill in and be okay for the time he's out. I mean, if you get even 80 to 100 games from him and he does what he's done up to this point, you you could put in a league average player for the other half of the season and still yeah. end up with really great overall numbers, you know? So I, I just, I like taking the chance. And I agree, it's, it is a classic example of like projection versus um, ranking because, uh, you know, ranking like projecting him when I when I actually put all this input all this into fantasy pros um, as my draft rankings. I don't know if I'll have him up at four because uh, just you know, Arenado is probably going to play 155, 160 right. games. You know, so the chance like for Mondesi to outproduce Arenado, he either needs to finally stay healthy for the first time in his career, or he needs to just be so amazing that he can basically put up the same value in half the games. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. so. Um, so I understand ranking Arenado higher based on that, but in a, as a drafting matter in a 12 team league in a categories league, I'm definitely taking Mondesi ahead of Arenado. Yep. Well, you know, speaking of Arenado, like I'll, I'll mention him since, you know, he's, he's my number four guy. And, um, <clears throat> like, I'm, I'm not really sure we, that, that any of these other third basemen has been more consistent than he has the last, like I'm looking at the last seven seasons, you know, mm-hmm. he's up there and, um, I think, you know, it's possible looking at his ADP, I think fantasy managers might, you know, have a little fatigue with him, you know, and he left cores, but he had a good year last year. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, not as good as he, he did at Coors Field, but I mean, the concerns that I had for him leaving uh, cores, I mean, I don't know if he's like completely wiped him away, but I mean, he still had a, a great season. Um, just looking at, he had 34 home runs, 81 runs, 105 RBIs, you know, so like his numbers, his production really was kind of on par with with how he'd been previous seasons um and uh yeah i I would 
definitely like having him as my starting third baseman at that ADP, especially if he's going as like the sixth or seventh third baseman and I can get him, you know, as my, you know, I'm looking at him in the, maybe a round earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a lot of things wrong last year, but one thing I got right was Arenado's production because uh, I think I wrote something for Fantasy Pros at the time, and I w- what I did was I basically looked at what happened with Matt Holiday when he left Coors and what, right. what happened to his numbers, and the same thing happened to Arenado's numbers. Really, it, it's it, it takes a little bit of the power out, uh, but the big the, the big impact is on batting average. That's where you see mm-hmm. a big drop because Coors Field is just it really inflates batting average. People think of it as home run haven, but uh, batting average is even more of an impact there. There's just so much uh, space in that on the field of play in that stadium. Plus, the home runs also boost batting average as well. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of reasons that uh, it inflates batting average. So I expected his his average to drop quite a bit uh, once he left cores. I mean, to be honest, it had even dropped in his final season of, at cores, but that was probably pretty flukish um but i think what happened last year with the first year with the cardinals wasn't really flukish it's just kind of what it's going to be now um maybe it will be a little better than 255 but he's not going to hit anywhere close to 300 so really it's about the power you know he's going to hit like you said he's been he's just very reliable he plays all he's usually in the lineup uh he's definitely got 30 plus home run power still even outside of cores uh, he's a great, you know, great bet to drive in a lot of runs once again, hitting in a prime lineup spot in the heart of the order. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to like there. I, you know, I have him and Riley back to back as well. Uh, I actually have Riley one spot ahead of Arenado simply because of the potential upside. Uh, like I said, I don't really expect him to match last season's numbers, um, Riley, but I I still expect him to match the power numbers basically, but just not the batting average. Um, but just the fact that he is young and has some upside is the reason I would put him out of Arenado. But I actually predict their I project their numbers to be extremely similar. Yeah. And so where did you have Wander? Like you have him at six, five? I have him at seven. Seven. Um, okay. Yeah. I have Mondesi at four, Riley at five, Arenado at six, and Franco at seven. Yeah, so like we, you already kind of touched on Franco a little bit, and like you know, the Rays locked him down to a huge contract back in I think November, uh, so he's set to be a very wealthy Ray for life. Um, so they see, you know, they've seen enough in him, uh, especially what he did in the minor leagues, to think he can bat three hundred and put up some pretty good numbers. But like when you look at what he did in like just a partial season and try to project it out, like. It's kind of hard to project him for much more than twenty home runs and 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 maybe ten if or twelve st- yeah and maybe ten or twelve steals. So like, I think people are getting excited about the potential and just being this you know great young player. Um, but I, I just think I'm probably gonna just I probably won't get him where he's going and I'll I'll if I miss out on some big breakout season, well, maybe I'll draft him next year or the year after. We've got time to to draft Franco, but I don't think I'll get him this year because I just. I'm not projecting some huge breakout season for him year this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I you know, I initially played with the idea of putting him in in the tier with Mondesi as like this kind of like you know, make or break kind of player because mm-hmm. he certainly has the talent. I mean, he's an incredibly talented player, but he's just turning 21 years old this season, you know. So yeah. it's like I just think I, his birthday was a week ago, actually. <laughs> Happy birthday, Wander. Uh, so 
you know, usually power takes some time to develop. Speed, you know, also is one of those things where when you're when you're trying to learn to hit, you might not be focused on that aspect of your game very much, you know. Um, yeah. So it just he didn't show much inclination to to uh, run last season. Uh, so I think that kind of has to be our baseline expectation for what's going to happen this season uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like I want you know I thought about it just because this guy is a blue chip prospect. What you know, our, he was pretty much the consensus number one prospect in the game heading into last season. So nothing he would do would be completely shocking. You know, it's always possible he could just blow his projections out of the water, but. I don't think that's the likely situation. I think the likely situation is what you said. Maybe we're looking at like 15 to 20 homers and 5 to 10 steals mm-hmm. uh, with, with a really good plate approach. I mean, he can hit for a plus batting average, um, which is vi- just so rare for a player as young as he is. Uh, so he is a special talent. There's no doubting it. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where if you play in a keeper or a redraft, if you play in a keeper or a dynasty league, like you have no way to – to get him you'd have to play through the roof to get him (laughs) and if you play in a a redraft league there's just no need to you know pay uh full price based on uh this you know this value this adp that's already built in building in a lot of um expected growth because you'd have to pay for that to have him on your team this season yeah one other thing i'll mention about him is just like as i'm starting to look ahead at my shortstop rankings i have him much lower in my shortstop rankings so he does provide more value here at third kind of like with austin riley because we talked about first base with riley and then it was like why is he going so high and it's like well third base is super thin so you know people are drafting these guys to plug into their third base slot so they are a little bit inflated because third base is a little bit weak at the top Absolutely, yeah. I mean, shortstop is also the deepest position this season. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. If you have Franco, Franco, uh, you're definitely looking to put him at third, not at short. Yep. So it sounds like we kind of had the same top seven, a little bit of different order. I'm not going to argue with you about Mondesi because I mean, I really like you know calling him out and like he is a difference maker. No problem with bumping him up, and I might even move him ahead of. <laughs> wander in my in my rankings just because we've seen what Mondesi can do so mm-hmm. I've got a couple other guys in this tier uh I have Anthony Rendon and Alex Bregman to round out this tier for me so who's next on your list well I have both of those guys in this tier and I also have Justin Turner in this tier as well okay so uh why don't we start talking about Bregman I guess I did you have Bregman highest of I that have Rendon group? over Bregman oh do you tell me about that I want to yeah, hear about that I mean <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm. You know, as I'm going back and looking at a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of guys had career years in 2019, and <laughs> Anthony Rendon was uh, no exception. Um, you know, then we had the shortened 2020 season where it was his first season as as an Angel. Uh, he finishes a top five fantasy uh, third baseman, and then I'm. I feel like what I'm doing here is I'm giving him a mulligan on last year because he really played through a hip injury that he kind of didn't know what it was, and then he had off season surgery. So like. I feel like some of his numbers and you know even just just look really bad because he played through an injury and so I feel like I I tend to think that even at age 31 he can get you know get back to close to that pre 2021 form and uh I mean I was going to look up his ADP he's going a you know around pick a 100 so he's going after Bregman and after even Chris Bryant so 
Bregman's going around pick 70 where Modesty's going, I'm not taking Bregman there. I'd much rather get Rendon a couple rounds later. So I, I think I think Rendon, you know, even at his age, can have more power than Bregman. I'm not convinced that Bregman's going to be good again either. I know he's younger, but like <laughs> some of it is in the back of my mind. We talked about Altuve and stuff with the 2019 signal stealing scandal. Uh, and I mean, we haven't really seen good numbers from Bregman since then. I know that's a little bit narrative, but like, if you look at his numbers, <laughs> uh, Bregman hasn't really, hasn't really done it since 2019. Yeah. Sorry. I was tapping on my mic there again uh, in honor of the uh, cheating Astros. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I think you can make a good, I think you make a good point there that Rendon might be a better value at his ADP than Bregman, but I, I would still prefer Bregman of the two. Um, I do think. Chris Bryant going ahead of Rendon seems silly. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, you know how I feel. I about know your Chris thoughts. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I guess going back to Rendon, my issue really with him is, um, you know, he's 32 years old this season. So I don't think we're going to see any sort of uh, growth skills growth, certainly. Um, and I just think that 2019 season, the power numbers look really, you look at his career as a whole and they just look like an outlier, you know? Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's a 30 plus home run guy. I don't, I just don't really believe that at this point. Um, and he's a nothing in steals. I mean, he has, he hasn't stolen a base since 2019. Like you mentioned last season, he had all sorts of, uh, maladies, uh, leg maladies. He had a groin knee and hamstring injury all in the same season. So, um, 32 year old with, <laughs> Every part of his legs um, bothering him. <laughs> I just don't see steals suddenly coming into his life this no, year either. Not. No, right. So, so I think he, you know, he's a really good hitter. He's got a great approach. He's great in a points league because he draws a lot of walks. Um, you know, his strikeout rate was up last year, but it was still pretty low overall. Yeah. So I definitely think his batting average can rebound quite a bit from last season. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a three hundred hitter. He could be. It wouldn't surprise me if he was. Um, but at the very least, I think he can get up into that 270, 280 range, if not higher. So I think there's a lot of upside there in the batting average. Um, and it's not like he's a nothing in power. I think he can hit 25 home runs yeah, uh, and drive in a bunch. So he's a very solid player to me. I just don't really see that much upside there at this point of his career. I think Bregman is a little more intriguing to me just because he's still only 27 years old. So it's, it, it sort of makes you wonder what exactly, like, you know, are we really going to fully trust that narrative that he needed the cheating in order to produce? <laughs> I, you know, I don't really buy that. I, I mean, his home runs in 2019, the 41 homers, that was always going to be a, a career high. I mean, it, you knew it from day from the time it happened. Really, I mean, yeah, he's not a, he's not one of these guys that hits moonshots. You know, he's a dead pole hitter, and that's that's where his home run power comes from is uh, pulling the ball and putting it in that short porch in left field uh, at Minute Maid Park or whatever it's called now. Um, so, you know, I, I don't expect forty home runs, but I still think there's a chance he could get back to thirty. I, I would be more inclined to believe that Bregman could get back to 30 home runs than I would Rendon. Um, I also think I'd be more inclined to think he could start running again than I would be with Rendon. I mean, uh, just because he is still only 27, he he did have two double digit stolen base seasons earlier in his career. I, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, he could, it's such a fickle stat. It's one of those things where, you know, a guy could just steal five bases in a week, you know? Um, but 
I don't expect that really the stolen bases, but I think it's more likely with him than it is with Rendon. And then batting average wise, kind of the same thing. They both have a great approach. They both don't don't swing and miss very much. They draw a lot of walks. Um, I just I actually think Bregman is every bit as likely to hit for a high average as Rendon is. So. Uh, and, the, and the Astros lineup is better than the Angel lineup as well. So I think the run production numbers could bounce back. Uh, and actually, they were they were not that bad last year anyway, uh, even with the down season. So uh, I just think there's a lot of reasons that I would lean towards Bregman over Rendon. Yeah, and, and you, you brought up the stolen bases. I was going to because like, you mentioned Rendon, and, and Bregman's only stolen one base since 2019. So <laughs> right, right. Yes, we, we saw him do it you know, when he was 23, 24 years old, and he's still, he's still very young. So he could get back to the, you know, stealing some bases, but we haven't really seen it. Um, and you know, the, the average, I don't know. Like, yeah, he, he did hit kind of close to 300 you know, back then, looking at like 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, but then he dipped, and then last year he kind of bounced back and hit 270. But his expected batting average is always kind of hovering around that 260 range. So I don't know. Maybe he is kind of more of a 260 hitter. And so, like with Rendon, I believe more that he can bounce back. Like, like I said, I'm giving him a little bit of a mulligan for last year with all the injuries and kind of hoping he can get back closer to 300. But I agree with you on Rendon. He's probably more like a 25 home run hitter. I'm not expecting 35 out of him. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, I would say with Bregman with the expected average, you know, maybe if that's always been low that it's he's one of those guys that just tends to outperform yeah. his expected batting average by a bit. So, and he has. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Maybe we should make a little uh, gentleman's bet on that one. I think oh. that would be an interesting one to... Uh, to track during the season. I like it. <laughs> so then I'm, you know, I'm having Justin Turner crashing the party here. Yeah, that's I fine. I think he belongs. I think he belongs in the same tier with these guys because he, he's just so good. I mean, what does this <laughs> guy is. have to do? He just, all he does is hit. I feel like he never fully gets the credit that he deserves um, for his fantasy contributions. Um, do people not like his beard? Like, what is the deal? I mean, I know he's old, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And he did that weird thing with the whole COVID thing. I I forget exactly what happened there, oh. but we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I love Justin Turner. I uh, I think he's he's this he's the guy that like I seem to always have him on my teams. Like mm-hmm. I just I, the market always undervalues him for some reason. Um, you know, he's not a thirty home run guy. He's not a double digit steals guy, but he's a great pure hitter. I mean, he can hit. It would not be surprising at all to see him hit 300 again. He's done it in three of the last five seasons, uh, sometimes well over 300. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, the power, I mean, he's gotten to 27 home runs three times as well. Exactly uh, 27. Exactly 27 <laughs> home runs. Exactly. <laughs> so he's not a 30 homer guy, but he is a 25 homer guy, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and you love it with the Dodgers. You, you know, the opportunity is there. He's this is a guy that never stole the bases, so we don't even have to talk about that. I mean, he's, he'll give you three maybe uh, if you're lucky. Yeah. But just ton of ton of run production, runs and RBIs both in that in that Dodger lineup. Good batting average, 25 home runs. Uh, you know, the the only issue, of course, is durability. He does tend to miss some time, but last year he actually played 151 games, so. Uh, you know, but again, the way I look at it is I, I'm very focused on per game production because I feel like, uh, if you play in a 12 team league, there'll be other options out there, uh, that you can pick up to fill in when, if he's on the IL for a couple weeks, that's not going to make or break your season. So I think 
overall, his numbers, the numbers he can give you are very similar to what you'd be hoping to get from Rendon. Yes. And I actually have him a spot ahead of Rendon. I was going to say the same thing as we were talking about Rendon and you mentioned Turner. I mean, they are very similar players and I think you could project them pretty similarly. I have Turner a few spots lower, but um, you know, you make a really good case for him. And like, as I was kind of writing them up and looking at the stats, I, I do find that I, <laughs> I like him a lot too. And I think, you know, the fact that he's 37 years old, that's the only reason you're get a, getting a discount on a guy this late who can hit for this kind of power and average. Yeah. That's uh, a better theory than they don't like his beard. Beards are, everyone <laughs> loves beards nowadays. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. You know, I like, I like Turner and I think you mentioned him when you were talking Mondesi, right? Like if you get Mondesi, like Turner's a good guy to get late too, because maybe Mondesi hits the the shelf and he needs someone else. But um, I think at third baseman, like I mentioned at the beginning, like this is probably a position where I'm likely only going to have one guy. Um, but I, I'd be fine if Justin Turner was my starting third baseman, and then like after, like like I said, once I get into like past like my thirteenth or fourteenth third baseman. I look at a lot of these guys the same, and we're. I think we're going to see some breakouts and people who you can kind of pick up off the waiver wire. We'll talk about it, some of those guys in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think so. So this, so if you put Turner in the mix, we've we've talked about ten guys so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I that to me is a very clear tier break. I, I would really want to get one of those ten if I could. Um, and as I've been talking about Rendon more, I've been kind of realizing he's probably not the one I, I want, but I would still much prefer him over um, the next round of guys. So uh, I would I would say, going back to the strategy idea, definitely prioritize that top three mm-hmm. in the first two rounds. And then after that, I would probably prioritize getting at least one guy from my top 10 uh, if I can. Yep. And if you're in a 12-team league or greater, yep, you might not get one of them. And then <laughs> get one of these guys we'll talk about in a bit. But so who do you have Who do you have in, like, in your next tier? Um, I've got like one, two, three, four. I've got like five guys in this next tier, including Justin okay. Turner. Okay. I, so, yeah. So I only have three guys in this tier, and they're all guys we've talked about before because they okay. have p- eligibility at other positions. And it's DJ LeMahieu, Chris Bryant, and Chris Taylor. Okay, I didn't have Chris Taylor quite this high. Uh, for, I've got a couple guys I like maybe higher than him at third base, um, but I did have Chris Bryant next. You know, we talked about him in, in first base. Yuan uh, Mankata, I have him up at up at eleven. So okay, I have him way <laughs> lower. I am yeah. a, I am officially a Yon Mankata hater. Apparently, I just I've I, every year I am much lower than consensus on him. So yeah. it's not surprising I would be again. And you know he's going as the thirteenth third baseman. Um, and so like I you know that's kind of about where I have him ranked. But I don't know, you know like like you said I, I mean you can project him kind of all over the place because his batting average and, and numbers have kind of been all over the place. His, his K rate has kind of ping ponged. Um, just pulling it up now to look at like, so his K rate has gone from, you know, 32, 33% down to 27, back up to 32, you know, back down a bit. I mean, it's, it's still high. Um, but yeah, like his average has gone back and forth from like 230. He batted 315 in 2019 and then it went down to 225 in the shortened season back up to 263 so yeah yeah but that year that that year that he hit 315 his BABIP was over 400 Mm. it was 406 yeah that's a that's a Ted Williams BABIP right there (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah I mean I just it was completely unsustainable and there was nothing to there was no reason to believe that that was going to ever happen again i just you look at his career as a whole i mean 
even with that 315 that one season his his career batting average is 261 and i i actually think his what you can really expect from him is lower than that because um you know most years he's hit i mean he has multiple years where he's struggled to hit 230 you know and uh that strikeout rate the fact that he's struck out over 30 percent of the time um in three different seasons. And now granted one of those was only 54 games, but uh, I just, I've seen too much swing and miss from him. It makes me extremely nervous. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't really run anymore. Um, he had three stolen bases in 144 games last year. He only hit 14 home runs last year in, in that 144 games. And even in the, that career in 2019, he had 25. So like, that's the high mark. That's the high water mark in power for him. Uh, you know, I just, I guess I just don't really get the appeal other than the fact that he is in a great hitting environment in Chicago. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think you can count on him for even 20 home runs. And I don't think you can count on more than a handful of steals at best. I don't think you can count on a batting average even above 250 necessarily. I just, I guess I just don't see it with him. Yeah. And like you mentioned with, with Bregman, you know, he's like Bregman, he's still young and maybe he can get back to those double digit steals. Um, so, that's some of it, but you're right. He he might not. He might he might only hit 20 home runs and not like he probably won't get back to that 25. Um, Bregman has much better. Like I I don't have his K rate in front of me, but he's a much better hitter and doesn't strike out like Moncada. Um, exactly. But yeah, some of it is just kind of like some of the seasons we've seen from him and projecting him. But again, like I mentioned, I'm starting to get into players now where. These guys are starting to be like I could lump these guys into one giant tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, um, if I'm going to be generous to Mankata, he does have a good plate approach in terms of walk, drawing walks. So, uh, you know, in a points league, he gets a little, little boost there. And like you said, he still has only 27. He, you know, I think part of the reason he tends to be overrated is because he was a very highly regarded prospect, mm-hmm. and I feel like that that's still like it still registers in the back of people's minds. Like this guy has you know, this great pure athleticism and a, a, a natural ability. And it's just, I mean, he's got 2,300 major league plate appearances at this point. It's like we, we've we seen enough from him that I think that shouldn't really be factoring into how you're looking at him. Well, hey, I'm down his, you, at, at number 20 at, at third you, base. You mentioned his high walk rate. High walk rate. You mentioned something good about him. So you found something in there. So there we there go. go. There we go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, we don't need to really spend a lot of time on Bryant or LeMahieu. Bryant, yeah. by the way, is still unsigned, of course, during the lockout. So, uh, we'll have to, we'll just have to see where he lands. I think that that could have a big impact on his value, mostly in terms of stolen bases. Like, will he land with a team that will let him run? Um, LeMahieu, you know, we've, we talked about him at first and second base. Yeah. Talked uh, about Chris Taylor at second. Yep. Yep. I do feel like Taylor is uh, an underrated fantasy player, and that's why I have him up in this tier. Uh, you know, I don't love Chris Taylor. I don't want him to be my starting third baseman, but right. Uh, but I just think that uh, just the state of this position, being thirteenth, is no great honor. <laughs> um, did Did you have anyone else we haven't talked about in this tier? Nope. You mentioned guys like Chris Bryant, Lemayhew, Justin Turner. I'm, I'm I'm now down to about fourteen for me. Same. Yeah, so I have a big tier starting at 14, going all the way down to 21. And honestly, there are some guys actually lower than that that I would draft ahead of those guys too because of uh, the upside. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, 
so just some names here that I have in this tier. I have uh, Eugenio Suarez, Ty France, Josh Donaldson, Cabrian Hayes, Ryan McMahon, Eduardo Escobar, Mancata, and Gio Urshela. Wow. I didn't hear Matt Chapman's name called there. No, he's further down for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I, I, I've, got, I've got a lot of those same names, but I do have Matt Chapman up a little bit higher. Um, Where do you have him? I have him at 14. Oh, wow. right behind so Justin. You have him at the beginning of this tier. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I mean, he's kind of like at the end of this tier after Justin Turner. I'm kind of looking at at him similar to Turner. Like he hit 27 homers last year, but you know, Chapman's a lot younger. There's kind of talk of him being traded. Um, so you know, he could go to a better you know hitter's ballpark. But yeah, he he does have that you know K rate over 32 percent each of the last two seasons, and his batting average has dipped each of the last four seasons. So. There, yep. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to bounce back and, and have some great average, but I do think the power's there. Um, I think he has 30 to 35 home run potential. So I, I do like his power. And the fact, you know, there's kind of talks about, I mean, you know, we're going to get some news and stuff once this uh, CBA gets agreed upon and we have some baseball. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a, a trade or, or something. Yeah, I have him down at 26. Wow, uh, that's a pretty big difference, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I guess, like, I don't know. It is it is a big difference on paper. I don't know how big it is in actuality because I have uh, Eugenio Suarez at 14, and I do think they're actually pretty similar players. I just, yeah. um, I think Suarez has even more power than Chapman, and I think he has, uh, I trust him a little more to get his batting average back up than I do with Chapman. So mm. I think those are the main things. He's also in a much better hitting environment uh, currently. Maybe, you're right, maybe Chapman gets moved. And that changes, but Cincinnati is one of the best places to hit. So, um, you know, we saw we saw Suarez hit 49 home runs back in 2019. So uh, that that's some serious power. Um, I had and, Suarez down at 20, so I kind of oh, okay. maybe I kind of maybe flipped those two a little bit. But one thing I did notice looking at Suarez was in uh, down the stretch in his last 25 games last year, he actually hit 370 with eight home runs. So he finished strong. <laughs> but he's yeah. he's his you know his batting average is around 200 and but yeah he's got that power I kind of look at him like Matt Chapman as well so maybe I should have them somewhat kind of close in my rankings well I think we should I think I think we could have a few gentlemen's bats here we could have Bregman versus Rendon and Suarez versus Chapman yeah because um, I mean the other thing I I like a little more about Suarez is last year his strikeout rate uh, I mean his strikeout rate's been high but it hasn't been as high as Chapman's you know so. Yeah. For that reason, I think he can hit two. I'm like, I'm not saying he's going to be a good batting average guy, but I think he can hit 230, 235, 240, <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, whereas Chapman, I don't know. I, it could be like 215, <laughs> you know, 220. Um, so that's, that's just kind of, I, I guess it is really splitting hairs and it's a big ranking difference based on that for both of us. But yeah, um, that just says more about the position than anything, I feel like. For sure. I, I um, agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I've talked about Ty France. Um, you know, I, I like him as uh, kind of a Jake Cronenworth type of producer um, mm-hmm. that you can get later. Um, how about Josh Donaldson? Where do you have him? I have him at 16. Yeah, I have him at 17. Uh, right after Ty. I, you know, we already talked about Ty France um, in, I guess, probably first base and maybe touched on him in second. Uh, he's eligible at all those spots. But, yeah, I have I have Donaldson there. Um <clears throat> I think with his age and, and his track record, you're you're expecting him to kind of be on the IL for maybe even a couple times. So 
kind of factoring that in, but you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit with Turner. I mean, we're kind of repeating ourselves some of the same, some of the th- same things, but I mean, Donaldson has huge uh, home run and RBI potential. So even if he misses 30 games, he could still hit 30 home runs, maybe have close to 90 RBIs. Um, he hasn't batted, you know, anywhere close to like 270 since he was in Toronto. So he might hurt your batting average a little bit. Um, but like the power's still there. I, I don't see any reason why he, he can't be a good source of power, uh, late power, if you need if you need it. Yeah, and I, you know, I think he's, um, him might hurt, he won't help your batting average, but I don't think he's really going to hurt your batting average too much. I mean, he, he doesn't strike out that much. Um, he's not a high BABIP guy, so... You know, you're you're looking at like two forty five, two fifty batting average probably. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot better than two twenty, you know. Yeah. We just talked um, talked about Suarez and <laughs> Chapman, so compared to those guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and he's gonna probably if he he at least on a per hundred and sixty two game basis, he's definitely a thirty homer guy still. Um, but like you said, he's probably gonna have at least an IL stint or two. It's also one of those things where you know, the twins could just give him a lot of off days to try to keep him healthy. So, mm-hmm. uh, for that reason as well, I think penciling him in for more than 130, 140 games would be unwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the power is still there. And I just think the fact that he does have that decent batting average as well, um, makes him, you know, a decent option. It's, we're still, we're already at this point into more like corner infielder types. You know, this is, yeah. Uh, or if like, you say you miss out on that top 10, <laughs> you could just wait a really long time at this position. I like, if I don't get one of the top 10 guys, I'm just, I'm not going to spend like, you know, a 10th round pick on the guy, on these guys, these kind of guys. I would just wait a really long time and, and, and then take one or two of them, you know, later in the, in the draft where, where it doesn't cost very much. Yeah, you you listed off a bunch of guys there. Did I? Did you mention Cabrian Hayes? Did I hear him in there? I did. Yeah, what, I have him right behind Donaldson at seventeen. Okay. okay, so I have him a couple spots higher. Um, so I, I have him at fifteen. Uh, I don't know. Like he's he's been in that pirate organization for a long time. He kind of came up as a teenager, and you know he he finally showed off some of his skills in twenty that twenty twenty season. He had five home runs in just twenty four games, and then last year we saw like a bigger sample size for him. Um, you know, we saw a little bit more speed, but didn't see the power. So he's one of those guys where after, you know, we kind of talked about the first like 10 or so guys. And then after that, like, who do you, who do you take here? So looking at like where he's going, I feel like I might, I might draft him in a league. He's, I mean, he's at, he's going at 158. So we're talking about kind of the middle, middle rounds, middle to late rounds. And so I, again, I don't want him as my starting third baseman, but I don't know. I guess it's like kind of what what can we see from him? I think we can reasonably expect like 15 and 15. So it's not like super exciting, but like if you need a little bit of stolen base help, uh hitting with a de- decent average, like I don't he's not going to hurt your average. I think there's potential there with uh his age and first round pedigree to kind of see what he can do. Still a young guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best argument for him is just that he is young and he could get better. Um but you know to me, he's like a very, very, very poor man's Wander Franco. Not mm-hmm. in the sense that they're similar players, but in the sense that their price tag is just heavily factoring in production. You know, expected growth. Yeah, that basically. untapped potential. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's probably not a great bet to um, finish like more valuable than say Ty France, who he's going at the same pick as. But it's yeah. 
uh, or Eugenio Suarez or, or Josh Donaldson. But it's like he could, you know, we don't know exactly how good he can be. I just, the problem I have is, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in that very brief cameo in 2020. I just think that was such a small sample size. Yeah. The fact he hit five home runs there, I don't take a lot out of that. Um, you know, I look to his minor league track record and he just never hit for power in the minors. Um, mm-hmm. He never even hit more than 10 home runs in any minor league season. Um, so six home runs in 96 games last year. I don't think we can really bank on 15 home runs from him, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, and I'm not sure we can bank on 15 steals either. Um, maybe. But that just really comes down to how much he wants to try to run. Um, but I kind of feel like his upside right now looks like 260 batting average, 15 and 15. Um, but that's that's more like on the high end of what I think he, he we can expect from him, really. Yeah, I mean, at this point, in, you're talking about third baseman. We're starting to get into guys like, you know, that I'm just looking for something nice to say about him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just just because they have a, a heartbeat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because um, I'm going to like breeze through most of this tier because we've talked about these guys Ryan mcmahon eduardo escobar we know what we're getting with these guys um i've always had a soft spot for geo or shella um Hmm. just because last year was kind of a disaster for him um but before that uh you know he'd been quite underrated and quite good actually and you know last season he was coming back from elbow surgery he also uh, came down with COVID-19 in the middle of the season. So those are some things that can <laughs> mess with your your year. So I'm going to give him yeah. a, a bit of a mulligan on last season. Um, and prior to that, he kind of shown himself to be a guy who could hit close to 300 with around 20 homers. Uh, so I always like to see guys that can uh, provide batting average and a bit of pop and certainly being on the Yankees is good for your run production numbers. Um, the only thing with him is, you need to, he needs to hold on to a starting job. You know, he can't mm-hmm. afford to have another down uh, start to the season like last season. I just think uh, he could easily end up um, losing playing time. So that's my one concern with him. But I feel like if he can get off to a hot start and solidify his, his spot, given the state of this position, like it wouldn't surprise me if he, he finished as a top 12 third baseman. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he uh, he had a rough 2021 like you said the one the one thing i was looking at with like with his you know home run production kind of going down like his launch angle was way down down to 7.5 and so like look looking at previous years you know he his launch angle was way up and i'm just wondering like you know the injuries like you mentioned i mean i talked about it with Rendon and he, i'm i'm giving him a mulligan so you know you're giving her shallow a mulligan I'll allow it. <laughs> um okay you, you know i mean yeah like again we're t- like he's my 26th uh ranked third baseman but if he's your 20th or whatever like that's fine 21st yeah so i mean it's you know we're we're kind of splitting here just talking about guys down here but yeah the launch angle thing i'm like you know does he need to figure something out with his swing was it related to injury um but again if he's in yankee stadium um you can hit line drives out of there (laughs) so yeah 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 well let me let me liven this conversation up a little bit by talking about a guy i am genuinely very excited about this season okay and i have him at number 22 but that's that's because I don't know when he's going to get called up. Mm. Spencer Torkelson, I I can't wait to see this guy play. Yeah, um, he you know he's been called. I think Fangraphs called him arguably the best college hitter of the last decade. Wow, which is uh, high praise. I'd say <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and you know he excelled last season uh, in three different levels of the minors. Um, you know, predictably, uh, as he came up to AAA, uh, his uh, batting average dipped a little bit, uh, dipped a little at AA and AAA. But um, this is a guy that has great plate skills. Like I think he's eventually going to be a plus batting average kind of guy. It might that might take a while, but the power is going to be there from day one. Like I think he's got bona fide 30 home run power at least mm-hmm. uh from from the get-go i think this detroit team could uh be interesting and could actually score more runs than uh, they have in quite some time um and i think he could be a big part of that i think he'll be hitting in the middle of the lineup by mid-season um i think uh that there's just there's there's just so much upside with him and given the state of this position why wouldn't you take a chance on that? You know, right now, uh, interestingly enough, he's not on their 40-man roster, so um, he's able to work with their coaching staff. He's at oh, he's okay. in, he's at their spring training right now nice. with their coaching staff uh, playing right now. That was smart. While all the major league <laughs> players are out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's going to give him a big leg up on being ready to go from day one, and then also. There's, it's quite possible that the new collective bargaining agreement uh, changes the service time manipulation, in which case I think he'll be starting on opening day for this team. So um, he could rocket up my ranking significantly more. Yeah. But right now, just because I'm sort of expecting him to miss maybe the first three weeks of the season, I have him down a little bit lower. But I'm genuinely excited uh, to see Spencer Torkelson play this season. Yeah, I didn't know that about what you were saying, you know, working in, like with the like he's not on their 40-man roster, so he's able to kind of work with in the minors. And, yeah, like I mentioned the Flying Squirrels here in Richmond. And, you know, I'm ex- I was looking at their schedule the other day. I'm like, hey, I can still go to a game. Like minor leagues are still going to play. So there's no impact there. Um, yeah, I have mm-hmm. I have Torkelson at 23, so I'm I'm just a spot behind you. And uh, yeah, it's hard not to get excited about the 2020 number one overall pick. Uh, like you you mentioned his his uh, minor league numbers. So 121 games across uh, multiple leagues last year. He had 26 homers and 91 RBI. So I mean, you're not extrapolating that out to the majors, but it's like that that get that's you know that gets you excited for sure. Uh, yeah, and to and and like in the type of leagues I play in. Uh, these 12 team leagues with the deep benches and uh, you know, a lot of options on the waiver wire. I would, I would take him before a, a lot of these other guys we've been talking about. I just, yeah. like wh- why draft a Ryan McMahon or uh, even a Johan Mankata, to be honest with you, <laughs> Ouch. Uh, certainly an Urshela. <laughs> uh, I, I prefer him over Hayes. Um, just, I just feel like the upside is there. And if it doesn't pan out, you, it, it's not going to kill you, you know, like you can get him very late. So yep. um, he's a guy that I definitely would, would love to uh, come away with in a draft. Yep. Um, and then, you know, another guy that I think is kind of exciting in, in his own way is, well, I've talked about Josh Rojas a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I like him, but then Alec Baum yeah. also, um, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Hayes coming up and, bursting on the scene with some great numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bohm did the same thing. He had 338 in his 44-game big league debut in 2020. Uh, but his numbers have not been great other than <laughs> that that little uh, stint there. But if the, the good news is if you look at his Stackhouse data, he makes a lot of hard contact. Um, so I think the real issue with him has been launch angle, and that's kind of 
I'm not going to compare him to Vladimir Guerrero, but that's what the issue is with with Vladimir Guerrero for a long time was he was making a lot of hard contact, but he was hitting it on the ground. He was killing a lot of worms. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Alec Bohm has been doing as well. He's only 25 years old, so you know it makes sense that he's still fine-tuning his approach at the plate. Uh, so I'm not giving up hope on him yet. I'm not as excited about him as I am about Torkelson, but I do feel like he's another one of these guys that, like, you know, if you're going to push Cabrian Hayes up your draft board because of potential, I think you you shouldn't discount Alec Bohm. Either. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And as you're rounding out your draft, I mean, all these guys we're kind of talking about now are guys who may get undrafted. So I would rather let, you know, a guy, like you said, like a Ryan McMahon, get undrafted and take a shot on an Alec Bohm or uh, even more so. I have Torkelson higher as well. I have Bohm down at 29, but I, I still have him, you know, kind of in my top 30. Um, yeah, like you said, he he did, he did was uh, he had a decent uh, debut in 2020, but then last season we had that, you know, larger sample size and didn't look quite as good as his ISO was much lower and average lower. So, yeah, he you could definitely compare him to Hayes. Um you know, he at least stole four bases, so maybe that's promising. Maybe he'll show a little more speed if, if we don't get the power. Um, that's fine. I mean, if he can steal 10 bases, 12 bases, like we've talked about at this position, that would be great. So, yeah, I've got him down there at 29, um, right after your your guy Josh Rojas who you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Anyone else you're, like, excited to maybe draft and stash on your bench heading into the season? I mean, draft and stash, the next guy I have, I mean, I skipped over a few guys here, but, I mean, the next guy who's a former first-round pick is Carter Keyboom. I actually threw him there at, at 30. Um, so, you know, he's another guy who started playing rookie ball as a teenager. So he came up with the Nats, debuted in 2019, and then he was back in AAA a bit last year. Um, so, like, you know, he's shown the skills to hit for average in the minors, and that hasn't really translated yet. So I'm not really sure, you know, it'd be interesting to see, like, is he going to be starting, uh, you know, from, from day one? Uh, he's still young, and there's potential for, like, that breakout around the corner, but it could be another year away with him. But it, he's one of those guys we, we've kind of talked about, like, this late in the draft. I might just draft him, see what he does in April or May or whenever the season starts. And then, you know, if I drop him, I drop him. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's another guy that – maybe he's the better answer for the guy who's, like – a really, really poor man's Wander Franco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because, I, I mean, he did show that the batting average, those batting average skills um, in the minor leagues. Yeah. It, it's just we haven't really seen a lot of category juice from him yet in terms of home runs or steals. So um, he's going to need to start doing one of those two things, I think, to really get onto the mixed league radar. But sure, as a stash, I, I – you know, I, I like it rather than some of these these boring veterans yeah. that are just a dime a dozen. You know, did you rank Kevin Biggio in your top thirty or so third baseman? Uh, yeah, I have him at twenty nine. Yeah, I've got him at twenty four. Um, actually, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's it's really tough to kind of look at all these guys and and rank someone twenty fourth versus twenty nine. But right, I mean, right. But yeah, like the Blue Jays kind of played him all over the place. Um, it looks like, according to Yahoo, he only gained eligibility at third and outfield. But, you know, maybe he gets some more position eligibility and becomes like a, a Chris Taylor light. I don't know. But I, it's hard to, hard to say what he can kind of get back to. Um, and he'll likely kind of hit at the bottom of that order. But it is a good lineup. Um, just We've talked about guys, can they get back to stealing a few bases? Um, would be good to see if he could do that. And he could, he could provide some late-round value if he could steal some more. Yeah. Yeah. He sort of... Uh... I feel like he's a contender with Glaber Torres for like the most like 
confusing players. <laughs> like your guy, guys who Labor Torres, looked, guys who looked great starting out their career, and then just these last two seasons have just been just disgusting. Yeah, you know, those... I mean, since the start of the 2020 season, Biggio has 15 homers and nine steals in 138 games with a 235 career batting average. I mean, like it, when he first came up, it looked like he could be like a perennial 2020 guy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think he needs to just start aggressively stealing bases to get yeah. back on the fantasy map. And uh, that's just something that's really hard to, hard to predict. And given that he's going to be batting near the bottom of the lineup and that the, the blue Jays are just, such a mashing team uh, it's not a great environment for him to really run a whole lot so i i'm a little skeptical of that but again like as a stash i i just these are the kind of players you should stash in april put them on your bench see if something's very different than it was last year because he's still really young so you know you never know i i, I would I, I would absolutely stash him like final you could probably get him in like your final pick of your draft you know yeah, let me see where let me see where Biggio is going. Yeah, two ninety eight. So yeah, he's well, definitely a, a last round pick. Yeah, in terms of some like other boring veteran guys, I mean, just to run through mm-hmm. them, like Luis Urias. Yep. I, maybe I'm like discounting him, saying he's like a boring veteran. He's pretty young still, but I just like I said when we talked about him on the the second base show, I just I don't really understand the up, upside case for him. Uh, no one's really explained it to me yet in a way that makes sense. So. I'm just I'm not really in on him. Um, Jamer Candelario is a guy that uh, I think is a really good hitter in real life, mm-hmm. um, and he hits a ton of doubles, yep. but not a lot of home runs, and he doesn't steal. Yeah. So that's just he's better in points leagues than in roto formats. But uh, he's he's obviously just not going to move the needle a ton in in either format. I think you love that Tiger lineup. I really do. <laughs> I'm kind of into it. I kind of in, I'm I like the uh, scope and. Uh, yeah, I definitely love Torkelson. Riley Green is going to be exciting too. Uh, I, Baez there now. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's. I was a little down on him, I guess, in our position preview, but I love Javi, as I said. So that's going to be a fun team to watch this yeah. year. If there is, a, if there is a season, they're going to have to score some <laughs> runs because I don't know <laughs> what they're going to do at pitching. But yeah, I have Candelario at twenty-seven. Uh, so I have him. Same. I have him up here yeah. as well. And um, you mentioned Torkelson. I think didn't we mention him in the first base episode? Like he's projected to to get uh, to play at first and have that kind of eligibility as well, right? Yeah, he'll get first base eligibility. So just but... just wanted to mention that we probably mentioned on the first base. Um, did you mention Eduardo? But you'll definitely want to play him at third. Right. <laughs> did you mention Eduardo Escobar? I've got him at twenty five. He's first, second, third. Yeah, I did. I did. We because we talked about him on uh, the first and second base pods. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I, I I think he tends to be a little bit underrated. He's got a lot of power. Yeah. Um, no one else in my top 30 or so who, I mean, I don't know if I heard you mention your, your Red Sox, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, but I've got him. If you want late power, we talked about him at first. Yeah. Just the, the, the strikeouts really <laughs> turned me off there, yes. but he could be a major batting average liability. I feel like um, I should just lump all those guys together, right? Like Matt Chapman, <laughs> Suarez, Dahlbeck, <laughs> just make a tier. I have them all in very different tiers. Yeah. I, I, uh, I much prefer Suarez, and then Chapman, I think, is okay. Yeah. And Dahlbeck, I'm probably not going to draft anywhere. Although, to be honest, I'm not drafting Chapman anywhere either, <laughs> where I have him ranked. Yeah. Um, one other guy I did want to mention is Evan Longoria. He got off to a fa- fantastic start last season, uh, but then shoulder woes ate a big chunk of his his year. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, there's no reason to expect him to be the guy that he was in his prime, but uh, his 94.1 mile per hour exit velocity last year actually was fourth best in the league, only behind Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Vladimir Guerrero. So <laughs> those are three pretty big sluggers. So he was hitting the ball really hard last season. Um, just based on that, I don't think and based on that and as we've talked about the mysterious magic of the San Francisco Giants, uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to hope that he could potentially hit 25 to 30 home runs uh, over a full season if he could stay healthy. So I have him at third baseman 28 and that's my case for him. I suppose. All right. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put him in my top 30. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So yeah, I think that's third base. Um, it's, like we said, it's a good position to prioritize early because, uh, you know, I feel like we look. You look at first base or second, and there's just a lot of depth to those positions. There's guys in the twenties and thirties that you look at, and you can see a case for them being really good players. It's it's harder to find guys like that at third base. There's a few of them, like Torkelson and Bohm, maybe, but um, but there's not a lot. You know, I think after the after the top ten is off the board, uh, it just becomes a pretty uninspiring position this season. Absolutely. All right. On that exciting note, (laughs) let's call it a day. Um, Thank you all for listening and sticking through this uh, slog of third base with us. Uh, We will be doing shortstop, which is a much more exciting position on Thursday. So get ready for that. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.